ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. We are back, boys, for another episode of Garage Door Sports. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by my two great co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, do you want me to just play the clip back, or are we going to actually have an answer this week? No, you, you can play the clip. I'm kind of tired, kind of kind kind of, of worn out. So, yeah, you just play the clip. It's good. Long week? Uh, long week, and I did not sleep well last night. So It's a bad combination, my friend. Bad, bad combination. Irfan, how are you doing? Good. I mean, you can also play the clip from me. I'm dead. <laughs> Jeez. But so I have to carry yeah, well, you guys I'm, today. I, Come on. Yeah. Well, I've been averaging like four and a half, five hour sleeps the last Why? two weeks. Why? Oh, I just can't sleep. And I've also been writing and reading like crazy to the point where I'm like, all I think about is what I'm reading, and that's not a good sign. Damn masters. <laughs> oh, imagine doing a PhD next. I'm gonna be dead. Okay. Oh no. We're going to have to, like, carry him for a year there, Kyle, for when he's finally writing his thesis for his PhD. <laughs> Goddamn. Okay. <laughs> That'll be ugly. Anyways, let's, uh, let's turn our attention to the sporting world. Boys, lots to talk about. MLB spring training is coming up. We want to talk a little bit about the Raptors, but, I mean, we got to start. Last week was the Super Bowl, so in our kickoff segment, sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy, Calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferrara brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. And let's get right into it, guys. Tom Brady, Buccaneers dismantled a injured Chiefs team along their offensive line. But outside of that, they had no answer for what was going on with the Bucks. Kyle, let's start with you. What was the biggest issue for the Chiefs in this game? Um, well, how much time do you have? That's a real question, I guess. The biggest, not all of them, um, the biggest. <laughs> biggest to me was the offensive line. Um, and I think it came down to when we talked last week and we said that, you know, Whoever gets more pressure on the quarterback is going to have a better game. And it, it's, it truly came down to Chiefs really didn't have a lot of pressure against Brady. Had, mm-hmm. Gave him time to throw, gave him time to, to look second, third options. And the Bucks gave Mahomes zero time. And he was he probably burned about 5,000 calories with the amount of steps he took. Like if he has had a step counter – well, did you? So there was the next gen stat. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't see it. On no. passing plays or plays that he got sacked on, he ran for 497 yards pre throw or pre sack. Well, he, he ran for almost do, 500 yeah. yards. Like he, you like, look at this play in the fourth yeah. quarter, same thing. Like he's like just honestly, running in circles. But, but then some of the throws he did, like 
just like no look going this way, chucks it that way, and all of a sudden, like we were talking before, it's like receiver just drops the ball or like it's a face mask or, drops or, the ball or, or or like maybe the defender makes a great play like on on the on the interception like defender made a great play but it was one of those like holy crap like how how did he hit that off how did he not get sacked like yeah. I, as a pats fan i was having bad flashbacks to like cam newton and eli manning you know just escaping and then all of a sudden ruining our lives so yeah, the difference is is that these guys couldn't catch a ball, <laughs> whereas the Giants had David Tyree catch one against his helmet. <laughs> yeah, and then Mar- Mario Manningham would just uh, what was his one? He was oh, he was toe tap on the sidelines. Yeah, there's there's been some. I was talking to a Patriots fan this week actually about the number of Super Bowls that they've been in recently and the incredible catches either for the Patriots or against the Patriots in those mm-hmm. Super Bowl games is just astounding. Like some of the top Super Bowl catches of all time have come in those games. Yeah, we have we have one great one for us and two great ones against us. So there's like five or yeah. six though that were like incredible catches. They might not have been as as memorable as like the Tyree and Manningham, but there's been some incredible catches. Why? Well, Anyways, yeah. Let's yeah, let's, not, let's not, focus back to. This. But I, it all comes down to the offensive line and 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 defensive pressure. I guess is really what it came down to, and that was the biggest difference maker for me. Yeah, Irfan, what were your thoughts? Um, I thought the defense for the Bucks was just extraordinary. They, I didn't expect them to be that great, but they were good. I mean, you, Kyle just said it. Like the amount of time Brady had on the ball compared to how much time Mahomes had on the ball versus, like, in terms of pressure, was ridiculous. Like Brady had time to set, do what he needs to do in his pocket, and got the ball away. Right? Mahomes is like, I'm gonna move. Like I'm watching. There was. Two, Two plays in the fourth quarter in a span of 30 seconds each where this guy is like i just mentioned he's running in circles trying to find a pass and then gets almost sacked and then he throws something wild so i mean i think kudos to the bucks defense they they found a way to blitz them they found a way to pressure them and that was a big difference maker um, obviously brady there but the biggest difference maker was the defense no for sure and i think one thing you can talk about too is like the Bucks offense did exactly what they needed to do. They ate clock when they needed to. They didn't eat a lot of clock. Like, I know the Chiefs had more possession, but the Chiefs are expected to have more possession. That's just how they play. Like, they, they want to eat the clock. That's why they have the good run game. That's why they have the good receivers. Like, they, they can eat clock very, very easily. But the Bucks ate some clock down early. They made long drives, and they made them look easy. That comes a lot down to – Brady's game calling because he's seen so many defenses he knows how to pick teams apart but when you watched it it was like okay this drive's gonna go for points like there's just no stopping them on this drive that's it was Mm -hmm. consistent especially in the first half that it was like oh they're gonna put points up here like it's just gonna happen the Chiefs defense really had no answer for the weapons of the Bucks in this game Um, another big story that was sort of percolating throughout the game was that the refs were against the chiefs and trying to win the game for Brady. I think that was a load of crap. Like in my opinion, all of the penalties were legitimate penalties or fun. Do you agree with me? Or are you going to go against me on this? No, I thought that there were definitely tighter calls. Like um, there was a stat or something that there weren't as many penalties called against the chiefs as they were in the Super Bowl. And I was like, well, yeah, the game's going to be tighter. It's a championship game. I expect there to be roughing where it's like, 
okay, that you can't do that. I'll let it go last game, but I won't let it go this game because if I let this go and the other team goes and scores on a break or they score 14 points in a row because of that momentum, then I've just changed the perfection of this game. Like I've changed the game. So I'm okay with the tight calling. I'm okay with the extra calls just so you, you know, you can't get away with stuff. It's a championship game. I don't want the game to be decided by, you know, the fact that uh, there should have been a penalty, but there wasn't, you know, as long as it's see, consistent. See, I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite way. I think in the Super Bowl, you cannot change the way you call the game. And mm. literally, and, and in the NFL, that is the definition of what happens. All of a sudden, the whistles come out, and it's a ref's game instead of the player's game, which is very unfortunate because then it's then you have this question of, okay, well, the, the refs were on this side of the team. Well, maybe it's just because they called more calls. It just happens to be that way but it looks worse because the refs don't keep the flag in the pocket. There were definitely some calls that were a little controversial. Some of the pass interference calls guy trips, trips, the other guy, technically in the rule of definition, it's actually not pass interference. Um, but it's one of those, you know, do you call it anyways in the Super Bowl? I would say, no, I think you let them play and see how, who the best team truly really is. Mm. You know, if it's a blatant call, hundred percent, make the call. If it's one of those, it's one of those, it could be a call, could not be a call. You keep the flag in the pocket. And what they gotcha. did, what they did in this game was they kept throwing the flags. You know, if it was a, like, if there's, it was a hold or a half a hold, like it was just like half a second of a hold, they called it immediately. It's like, to me, there's holding on every play in the NFL. There's holding oh, yeah. on every single play, but it's just if it gets called. And, and, and to me, you know, I, I played a little bit of football when I was younger and stuff like that. And, and I hated when the refs would be like, yep, yeah, like, like, like it just ruins the game. It really does. Nope. And, I think and... the reason, I think that problem though stems back from a couple of years ago as well, when the Saints didn't get calls going their way when there were blatant calls. I think yeah. they're afraid of that being more of a backlash to the the guys in the stripes than anything. Yeah. So no, I get it. Like I, the refing will change the game no matter how we say it does. Like in, in NHL playoff hockey in the play uh, in the overtime, it's like put the whistles away. Like stop calling stupid shit, right? And I think. I get where you're coming from, but I guess they didn't want that issue that the Saints had a couple of years ago, where it's like that was a that was a blatant call that just didn't get called. Right? And, and then that's why I think, and, and and I like that they have in the CFL, you can review pass interference. I think that where you can challenge the call, if you have we had one challenge a game, I think it would be huge for the NFL, right? Because and if you lose your challenge, you lose a timeout, and and, and it hurts. This is your what team, they already so. have in the challenge now. Exactly, but you, so you add the pass interference in there, and you you lose you lose like a timeout, or or maybe you get a fifteen yard delay game, or a five yard, ten yard delay game penalty, whatever it may be, right? on top of the pass interference. Yeah, and it's one of those like if if the pass interference is there and it gets you know it, it's not called, and and they go to review and it's called, then it's like all right, you get the yards. But if it's if it's reviewed and it's 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 determined that it's not actually pass interference, then it's a five-yard delay game penalty or a 10-yard delay game penalty, whatever it may be, that hurts your teams. Like, to me, you add one of those a game, and it could be the difference between, you know, a team winning or losing potentially based on their head coaching decision too. Like, you know, you, mm. you have the video department up top, radio down to the, the head coach, say, hey, challenge us. We think it's fast interference. Yeah, just and, like the NHL, right? The NHL exactly. has that rule in play where if you challenge and you're wrong, your team now gets to – has to pedally kill for two minutes. Right? Exactly. So like like to me that would one help with the refs not taking over games because mm -hmm. 
Um, a lot of the times they may not make the call to have it challenged, right? Um, or they would make the call to have a challenge, but I highly doubt they would do that because then they're just tossing flags left, right, and center, um, which I guess they're really doing right now anyways. So Well, I mean, okay, big. like we, we say that there was a lot of flags. There was only 15 <clears throat> flags the entire game. It felt like a lot more. Well, so it, they weren't throwing flags all the time, but they were yeah. throwing flags significantly. So it was like... In the first half, they were. Like, but a lot of them were in like third downs, like third yeah. and seven, and all of a sudden, okay, automatic first down, defense, yeah, yeah. right, like that type of thing. No, I get what you're saying. Where where it changes the whole drive. No, I'm just some, saying, like in the yeah. first half, they they threw nine flags, right? And yeah, yeah. Of yeah. them were against the Chiefs, or nine or ten flags, and eight again, eight of them were against the Chiefs. Yeah. And the the uh, the big ones were the one in the end zone against Tyron Matthew, which <laughs> debatable whether the ball was catchable, and I know Kyle, you hate that. Is it catchable? call but yeah <laughs> whether that one was catchable or not they called it it was pass interference just whether the ball was playable is another issue um and then the trip one right other than that yeah. like every other one i don't think anyone really had an issue with any of the other six calls in the first half they were no, all it, yeah it, it, it's just it seemed like especially with the amount that were for the bucks yeah and the, the the little amount against the bucks i guess like the bucks played a clean game i'm not gonna deny them that but it was one of those like it just looks bad obviously. yeah the optics are bad and but the one thing i hated was and i'm kind of jumping the gun here but the he jumps the gun mahomes mom tweeting out yeah. and it's just like okay let it go but she also didn't have the guts to keep the tweet up she de- then deleted the tweet and it's one of those like if you oh, have if, Mahomes if, probably told her, Mom, don't don't say anything. But that's the thing. It's like if you have the balls to put it up in the first place, then have the guts to get the backlash and leave it up. Like that's just simple as well, that. Well, no, I'm just saying Mahomes might have asked her to take it down. Not oh, yeah. it might not have been her decision, right? Like no, sure. But it was one of those like like I hate when people do that after the game when it's like yeah. between like, oh, you know, you're so lucky you had the refs on your side. It's like, shut up. You lost the game, move forward and try again next year. Bye bye. Hmm. And guys, this is coming from a Patriots fan. Yeah. All right. right? So, <laughs> like it's one of those like, like when when the Pats lose, I get it. It happens. I get it. Am I going to be happy about it? No. Am I going to go tweet at somebody and say, "Oh, you won because of this"? Not a chance. No. Give it a week. Cool down. <laughs> I, 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 I hide hide in my room for a week. I, I get over it. You know, this this semi semi. You know. He tries to make sure that me and Justin don't bug him for a week. I, I basically become a hermit. Him. I don't listen. I don't no. answer my phone, and I just, you know, get over it. Cries yeah. a little then he bit. comes on the show, and then that's when we talk about it and dissect it. Right? That's how it works. No, I'd probably call in sick or something like that. Yeah, yeah. This, this would be the show that he would have called in sick if it was the Patriots losing. But oh, that's true. <laughs> would have got a message like five minutes before the show. Oh man, I, I can't get up. I'm. Uh... Yeah, tell me. Tell me. No, just headache. We're just gonna go headache. Can't can't look at my screen right now. Sorry. Upper body injury. Work camp. Sorry. Undisclosed. <laughs> but let's 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 continue the conversation regarding you know former Patriots, I guess. And what does this do for Tom Brady's legacy? This guy now has seven rings. He was already considered the greatest of all time to many. Now seven rings has more Super Bowl rings than any single franchise. Because he set the number of franchise rings with the Patriots. <laughs> now he's gone and broken that by winning with the Bucks. Where does this put him among all-time greats among all the sports? Uh, Kyle, I'll start with you as a Patriots fan yourself, uh, which is going to be God, slightly all-time, all-time great amongst all the sports? Yeah. Oof. 
And I don't think we're talking like greatest athlete because I don't think any of us would consider him a great athlete. No, but, but greatest I, winners, but, greatest players. So in saying that, though, I think that's why him being greatest of all time in football makes it that much better of a legacy. Because I was watching something, and you know, I, I it was on TikTok, obviously, but it's a whole different story. But um, <laughs> the fact that there was never supposed to be a Tom Brady, no, right. And there's, there's some people that debate, you know, Peyton Manning, maybe the greatest of all time, but there was supposed to be a Peyton Manning. He was number one. Mm-hmm. He was the first overall pick. Brady was the seventh overall pick or seventh round pick. Sorry. <laughs> he was not seventh. Overall. He, he was the seventh, seventh round. round. I got him. He, he, he was never supposed to be a thing. And I think that's what truly cements his legacy of being the greatest of all time, because he battled adversity, didn't go into a starting job, right? Was was the third string quarterback when he came in and almost got actually yeah, he was I think he was the fourth string quarterback actually when he first joined the league and he almost got cut immediately so like there was a chance that Tom Brady never existed so I think to do what he has done especially at age forty three it's just it, it's astounding and I honestly don't know if there'll be another quarterback that has the same feats as him I think there will be another quarterback that beats his passing yards and passing touchdowns because of how the league is now but with what he does to the game, how he, how he, you know, organizes and, and picks where he wants to battle or picks who he wants to, like, I guess, pick on, I guess is really what it comes down in the game. And it was Tyron Matthew last week. Um, it, it's just, it's, I don't know if there's another quarterback that's going to be able to do that. You know, Patty Mahomes has all the talent in the world, but is he the field general like Brady is right now? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know if he has that, that quality to him yet. Can he chuck a ball 60 yards down the field and have Tyreek Hill run under it? 100%. But, but, but I think it comes with experience, and I think Mahomes may get there. But especially with Mahomes losing in this battle, I think Brady has an edge on him no matter what. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I agree with you on that. That's a, that's a very interesting way to look at it, though. Like I, I like that. The fact that there wasn't supposed Brady wasn't supposed to be this. Brady was not supposed to be – the greatest of all time. Irfan, what are your thoughts on that? The legacy conversation. Are we talking greatest football player of all time or greatest player in any sport of all time? I think we could have the conversation for both. Um, okay. Definitely. For, let's start with the football one though. Well, I think he is. I mean, I've always thought Jerry Rice personally was the greatest football of our time just because of a preference. But I think Tom Brady winning a seventh ring, playing in a different team, a different structure. Kyle mentioning there wasn't supposed to be a Tom Brady. I think it just cements him. Sorry, cements him as more of that player that everyone goes, he is the greatest football player of all time. Like you saw what he's done with different offenses, right? You saw what he's done with different teams, different players and how, um, you know, yeah, they've lost three Super Bowls. Like he's lost three Super Bowls, but he got to three Super Bowls. He's gotten to 10 in total. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to knock a guy who's, who's done that. Like, it really is. I mean, stats will always be broken. 18% of Super Bowls have featured Tom Brady. <laughs> exactly. Dude, I'll, I'll, look, I'll take a 7-3 and three record. Are you kidding me? Done. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, stats will always be broken. The game constantly is changing, right? Like, it's getting faster. Uh, quarterbacks have to be more mobile. Like, like it's going to be different. But I think when you talk about the fact that is he the best player We've seen a brilliant time or of all time, then I think you have to include him in that conversation. Or, you know what? He would be the best player of all time. Yeah, and I think it, it's it's an interesting conversation. And I, I'm going to – Kyle, that point that you made about not never 
it shouldn't have been a Tom Brady is an incredible point. And I think that gets overlooked a lot is that this guy wasn't even necessarily a starting QB at his college when he, when he came in at Michigan, like he, he had to fight to be the starter in his last year. And then he goes seventh round to the Patriots who had at the time, one of, one of the best quarterbacks at the time in, in Bledsoe as their number one. And you mentioned he was like fourth string. He had to work his way up to the backup role. Like, this is this story isn't just oh he came in as like a top pick and and just was given the reins right he wasn't a he wasn't a Manning he wasn't a Rodgers right who were just kind of given it ironically the two quarterbacks that are one two in passing yards in the history of the game both had to go through adversity it's so mm-hmm. that that says a lot about what it takes mentally to be one of the best quarterbacks of all time you guys mentioned that the his records might be broken for passing yards. Will they? Like, uh, playoffs? Probably not. But then again, he also doesn't really hold any regular season records because it's all like Drew Brees and Peyton Manning to hold them. So, well, he's second right now. In yeah, no, no, he's passing like, yards, and he's less than a thousand behind, or sorry, just over a thousand behind Brees. So, assuming that he plays for two more years, right? Well, it's, all he has to do is one because Brees is done. No, but I'm saying, like, I'm just saying, like, yeah. it's assuming he plays for two more years, that will put him well and above Breeze. Yeah. Over 80,000. We're looking probably close to 89 if he plays two years, add 10,000 10, 10, yards, maybe. Probably, yeah. Maybe, maybe 87. I, 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 would, I would say eight, 88, just to be safe. 87, 4, 000, 88. 4,000 okay, yeah. basically. Right? The next closest active quarterback at the moment is big ben mm. and he's at 60 yeah he's not coming close right not even close rogers and matt sorry matt ryan is next at 55 rogers at 51 matt stafford at 45 like no one's even close mm-hmm. Eighty-eight thousand yards it would be ridiculous i don't know if anyone will catch that anytime soon i know the game is very much a passing game nowadays with some incredible running backs just doing their thing in certain systems. But mm-hmm. th- I don't know if that will ever be caught just because he's put it at such a ridiculous pace for how long he's played. This is 20 years mm-hmm. now that he's played and he's going to go mm-hmm. for a few more. Like you don't get that kind of longevity anymore. He came to the league in 2000. But he didn't and, really play. <laughs> no, he didn't play, but that's when he entered the league. So like, yeah. But, but and also he was actually a sixth round pick, so I apologize for saying he was a seventh round pick. But he was sixth really? round, yeah, sixth round, one ninety nine. He was compensation. Oh. oh, he was a comp pick. Okay, yeah, that's why I, like I consider him a seventh round pick because he's a comp he's basically pick. a seventh round pick. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, it's just it's just kind of incredible to see how how he's done it, and with honestly, no offense to the Patriots, mm-hmm. their receiving cores over a few of those Super Bowls were not very good. They were not elite, that's for sure. <laughs> no. This is this was the best receiving core he's had in a Super Bowl probably ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably. <laughs> I don't even know if there's really an argument for that. Maybe the Randy Moss team. But that's what I was thinking. Game? But like overall weapons wise, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, with wide receivers, I can agree. With overall weapons, I don't know because. Um, Brady had Gronk in his prime comparatively. 
Um, but he is Gronk now, who managed to score two touchdowns this weekend. Let's not forget that. It was they, quiet for most of the year. <laughs> shows up on the biggest game. Yep. Because they, they decided, hey, we're just not going to guard you in the end zone. Yeah, not a big deal. Hey, you know what? Gronk is the perfect decoy, though, in that, in that offense. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and he can catch the ball still. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's really not hard to catch a ball if you know how to catch a ball, but yeah. I mean, you can tell uh, that to the, the Chiefs. Chiefs. <laughs> um, I, I have some trivia for you if you want to get this. Far right. Trivia? Yes. Oh. Tom, Bra- Tom Brady trivia. All right. We're going to play a little trivia game here, folks. Kyle is running it, so this will be interesting. So, Irfan, you and me, let's go head-to-head. Brady, and Brady entered the league in 2000. Correct. Right. As the fourth-string quarterback. Correct. There are two quarterbacks other than Drew Bledsoe ahead of him on the depth chart. Name one of them. Beats me. Wasn't Flutie on that team? Nope. Like, why did I think Flutie was on that team? Don't know. Uh, would, would we know these names? This is the real question. One played in the CFL. That's what I thought. Flutie. For the, Tron- <laughs> for the Toronto Argonauts, actually. Oh, my goodness. Um... um Beats me. I can only think of those two. Moon? Uh, honestly, no. It, Listen, is... who were the two most important quarterbacks that year? Bledsoe and Brady. <laughs> That's all I remember, man. Okay. No, on, honestly, <laughs> I, I I saw this name and I was actually very surprised because I did not think he was this old. But guy, I'm, I'm out. I'm Matt out, Ryan. Out no, I have no idea. <laughs> Michael Bishop. Okay. Which I did not think he was that old, but he's I actually have got he, he's forty four years old. I did not know that. Now he's forty four yeah, years old. Forty four years old right now, but like, he so was, he was twenty. <laughs> he well, he was a seventh round pick in nineteen ninety nine. So, who was the other one? Uh, John Fritsch or Fritz Fritz. Okay, I've heard of him. That would freeze, not have come freeze, up with freeze, that. Freeze. No, that's it was Michael Fisher that I was looking for. I'm like, I, I did not expect him to be on that team. Wow. Like, that's just crazy. Well, thank you for this edition of uh, NFL trivia with Kyle yeah. Vardy. There you go. <laughs> um, I think that's all we want to talk about for the Super Bowl, boys. Let's let's flip the script to a little bit of NFL talk quickly before we take a break. And the big two big stories this week. The biggest one probably JJ Watt released by the Houston Texans. Now, it's come out that Watt requested the release, so we have to bear that in mind when we have this conversation. The Texans are imploding. And, like, imploding badly. Go back to the beginning of – or go back to the offseason before this year, trading DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, that was a Bill (laughs) O'Brien masterpiece idea. But – you trade DeAndre Hopkins. You start 0-4. You get rid of Bill O'Brien. He's now no longer the GM. You struggle the rest of the season. Season ends. Deshaun Watson now wants out. And then your star defensive line, J.J. Watt, requests, uh, requests to be cut or traded. It is not looking good in Houston at all. Like They've released Watt, and we'll talk about where he might end up. What happens if they don't get anything back for Deshaun Watson? Like, does this become a the end of the Houston Texans as we know them? Uh, 
to be honest, they have to get something back for Deshaun Watson. If not, he just doesn't play, and that's on him. No, um, but I mean, like, what if they don't get a good package back for Deshaun Watson? That's the only thing is I understand where Deshaun Watson is coming from. Oh, absolutely. But Houston has all the power here, to be honest. And it comes down to, you know, if they trade him, they trade him for the highest bidder. If, if they don't trade him, he just sits and wastes a year of his contract and wastes a year of his NFL career, which to me would be a waste right now. And and it, it is what it is, but I, I think Houston's stuck with what they want to do. And um, especially with looking at the, the package that Matt Stafford brought back, you know, Watson's going to get at least that, if not probably another first round pick. So, um, you know, it maybe they swap out a first round pick for a young up and coming player that they can use instead. Maybe we'll see that, but um, he, he's worth it. And, and I think Houston has to stick to their guns right now because apparently they did try to trade JJ Watt for a couple weeks, but nobody wanted to take the contract. So that's why he actually wasn't traded. That's why he was released now as of now. So, um, it's one of those, they have to get something for Watson. And if not, God, I don't want to be a Houston fan for a very long time. So. Yeah, Irfan. That's a mess. Like, I, I think, it, but it is, it's like, it's a, it's a mess. Like at the management level, at the personnel level, like this team doesn't have a direction. They kind of feel like where the Jets are right now is like, they, they think they have something, but they really don't have anything. Like you have one really good quarterback, but. Again, who's going to give up the assets right now? Like, they know that he wants out. Like, it's not in their favor if it's a trade. Like, the most they'll get is... See, this is where this is where I'm trying to figure this out is everyone in the league knows the situation now that he wants out. Texans are trying to trade him. They're not going to get as much as they thought they would get for him if this wasn't an issue. Like... I don't know. Maybe a first-round pick and a roster player might end up having to be what they settle for because everyone knows that the player doesn't want to be there anymore and the Texans are trying to get rid of them. So I, I don't know. They might have to do their best to leverage it. And I know, Kyle, you said that it's in the Texans' park, but I think it ends up coming down to the rest of the teams and what they think he's valued at and then going, well, he doesn't want to be there, so we're taking off a player that won't give you 100%. So here's what we'll give you, and this is the best you'll see. Um. And I think that's what might happen. I was a little surprised with the the JJ Watt release. And I know you guys said it's a lot of money, but we've seen teams eat even more money before just to get rid of a contract. So like that to me is a bit of a surprise. I guess it came down to, well, we want this for you, but we're not getting it. So get peace. We'll eat you. We'll eat the rest of it up. Um, So that I forget like the Houston Texans are still eating dead cap, right? They have 55 mil from JJ Watt's contract that they have to eat in dead cap. Right, right. But what I'm saying is like, why not get like a third round pick or something and then be like, well, at least we got something back for this guy, whether he's worth something and then we'll eat the money like it, like either way, they had to take money back anyway. So why not try and get an asset for arguably one of the best defensive players in the game, even at the age of 31 or 32 or whatever it is. Still very good. He isn't the same JJ Watt, obviously, who signed that contract. Let's let's be let's be fair. A couple right. But I mean, if you talk about you look at his numbers this year, they were pretty good. They were really good, right? Yeah. So, no, I still think JJ Watt is a great player. He's just not the elite, elite player that we were talking about mm-hmm. three, four years ago when he signed the contract. And that's going to be, listen, it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up, right? Listen, the, the the Eagles want a first round pick for Carson Wentz. I'd rather give it to JJ Watt. I'm just saying. But 
that's that's a personal preference thing that's okay i still do i'm just saying i'd rather give a first round pick for a guy that's a good defensive player than carson wentz who is okay with an okay team so well carson Wentz two years ago was one of the better quarterbacks in the nfl he had he he had a bad year last year and destroyed his trade that's the biggest thing so um to me what they're asking for for carson wentz that's a whole different story they're asking for two first round picks for carson wentz which is eh, no Um, (laughs) oh you don't think the patriots will pull that no, no, we'll give them a two second rounds. Go ahead. Um, I just have to bug the Patriots fan. But it's one of those like, I think the thing with Deshaun Watson is there's no end of suitors. I think that's the biggest difference with JJ Watt. JJ Watt had a, probably a few people that one he was willing to go to, and two that actually had the cap space to fit his cap in. So yeah. I think that's why he was released for that reason. Mm. The, the thing with Deshaun Watson though is he's a franchise quarterback and there is probably up to i'd probably say 10 teams right now that could use a franchise quarterback right and and are willing to spend to get that franchise quarterback so that's why in my opinion it is going to be a bidding war for him so if a team doesn't you know it says hey well you know we know you don't want to trade and we're going to you know reduce our offer to you know a first and a third instead of a first and a second or two firsts or whatever it may be they're immediately out of the bidding. It's just, all right, next, Mm. right? So I think that's where it's going to come down to who can give them the best offer um, while also being reasonable. Like, I think it's going to be a reasonable offer, but it's going to be the best offer that they're going to take. But I'm just saying that to get to that best offer, it might not be as sweet as we would think it would be, no? Like, it would... There's there's a a chance, yeah. Uh, Well, well, the way way NFL front offices work, right? Somebody's going to offer this, say, hey, here's our best offer. And then immediately Houston's going to pick up the phone and call uh, Carolina and say, hey, what's your best offer? We just got offered this. Yeah. Mm. Right. Can, can you one this up? Can you one up this? And they'll, they'll, then they'll call the next team. They'll call the next team. And call the next so team. with this issue, do you think that the Texans are going to get back similar or more to what Matt Stafford and the golf trade was? Because that was I a lot. I think, it, I think it'll be very similar to the Matt Stafford yeah. trade. The, that's the, only, the market now, eh? The only reason Matt Stafford got that much was because they had threw in a th- another first round pick to take Jared Goff's money. That's the reason why they got two first round picks. Yeah, but that, it'll be something similar to that just for Deshaun Watson as is. Hundred percent. Like it'll be two first round picks for Deshaun Watson. That I, I yeah. have no doubt about that whatsoever. Yeah. But it's going to be. There just won't be a Jared Goff attached to it. Exactly. Like there may be. Like as I said, like I, I think the Panthers are going to be a team that's going to go hard into Deshaun yep. Watson because to me that brings that team up to okay now there's a chance that they you know they compete in that division um and that's we're saying that's that's the bucks division too so like that's saying something right it's uh like let's not like we can't just, sorry no that's is it the bucks division yeah it's the bucks division yeah the saints panthers bucks all in the same division and falcons yeah and well saints are gonna be horrible next year just saying i don't know if they'll be horrible but they'll be worse than they were this they're a hundred million dollars over the cap Everybody on their team is gone. Even if Breeze restructures and then retires, there's still $75 million over the cap. I understand that. I get that, Kyle. Which means it's, on, it's a fire sale for New Orleans right now. Still and, have Sean Payton, though, who's one of the smart quarter uh, coaches. Yeah. He could figure out a way to make the team competing. Not, I'm not saying they're going to compete for a playoff spot, though they won't be like – the Jets. No, but to be honest, or they, the Jets. <laughs> to be honest, they need to be the yes. Jets right now. 
Like, realistically, they don't have a quarterback who can take over. Taysom Hill is not a starting quarterback. I don't care what you say. He is not a starting quarterback. Okay. At, least, at, least, at least not a quality. No, no, no. He's listed as a quarterback. He's not listed as a starting quarterback. Oh, is he not? Okay, never mind. <laughs> um, Take my words back. And Jemias Winston is not the savior. He's not the answer. So to me, if I'm the Saints, I, I think it's time to, to sell off some pieces and, and maybe not a full rebuild, but maybe a, okay, a little reset. Yeah. Right. And a mini right. reset. So it's one yep. of those like, and get out of the cap hell that you're in. And I think that's where the Panthers could take advantage. And honestly, I think if you had Deshaun Watson send Teddy Bridgewater back, and, and you're you're laughing right now because Christian McCaffrey's back, that wide receiver, and their defense was one of the better defenses last year. So. Yep, 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 yep. I agree. Um, quickly, and I mean quickly. Uh, where does JJ Watt end up next year? Irfan, I'll start with you. Uh, I like the Bills. It'd be a good fit for him. Um, Stefan Diggs came out with a, a interesting tweet this morning, so I was like, you know what? <laughs> I like this. Um, I think it'd be good for the Bills. I think their their defense, like, sort of, this would shore it up for sure. And I mean, yeah. Josh Allen would be able to rely on that defense even more. Not that he doesn't already, but I think it'd be a nice fit. Fair enough, uh, Kyle. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Really? You think they're gonna, he's going to go to the Bucks? He's going to replace Shaq Barrett because they're not going to re-sign Shaq Barrett. Okay. He wants to go to a team that's a contender, and I think, honestly, right now, that's probably the, the, the biggest contender for this. Is okay. it going to be a long-term deal? No. It'll be probably be a one, maybe two-year deal. Two years, yeah. Probably end when Brady's contract ends, to be honest, and then he'll re- he'll look again to re-up with a, with a new contender. Uh, yeah. Dark horse for me, LA Rams. Yeah. Um. The only problem is the only reason why it's a dark horse and not my choice is because of cap space. Yeah, that's fair. Rams don't have any right now, so so if they can find a way to get cap compliant, I think there's or a, there's a... does he take a discount to go to the Rams for this year because he's already getting paid fifteen mil? He he may he very well may take a discount. There's a good chance of that. We'll for see. like a one year deal, take the discount and then just go play with a team like the Rams. If if he's going to take a discount though, he's going to take a discount for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's the yeah. only thing. Right, so so it's it's one of those um, just to play with his, his two brothers. Obviously, the, both of them are already there right now. So, you know, reuniting the three, I guess, is what you could say. The tree. Um, that that would be, I think, his hometown discount part. So, sure. yeah, I think the I think the favorite right now in my head would be the Steelers, just because of the brothers being there. Like, mm-hmm. um, I like the Bucks ch- shout. As well, I think that's a good spot. Another another one could be Green Bay, just because they do need a uh, more of an interior lineman on that defense to to just sort of help with the rush game. Yeah, because they were they were okay against the rush last year, but they could be so much better. And if they can do that, their secondary was pretty good for most of the season up until the uh, championship game, <laughs> where yeah. they decided to forget how to play defense in that game. So you add a you add a veteran like JJ Watt to that line, like it makes a huge difference. For them, again, it comes down to if they can clear cap for it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm just saying, like places that I could see him going would be yeah. Pittsburgh, Tampa, and Green Bay. I, I I do like Buffalo too. I like I like that idea. Um, Another veteran on that defense would be biggest good. thing is I think they would have to work out how he's going to be used in a rotation. Yeah, right. Because because I don't think he wants to go there and be a part of like a. I'm, I'm doing second and third downs and I'm playing those downs. I think he wants to be an everyday guy still. 
Um, I think he has and, the ability to be an everyday guy still. So. Yeah, and, and it for the Bills, it comes down to if they're going to offer him that. I think that's the biggest thing. So, Because Bills like to use a lot of rotation pieces in and out. So uh, that's just how the defense works. But Yeah, I mean, they should sell it as you've been injured for two seasons before in a row sort of thing. And yeah. this would help you just sort of find your feet. And then when you're ready and come playoff time, you'll play, man. Well, and that's it. So I think it's going to come down to, you know, this is his first time being a free agent in a while. So it's going to come down to, what what it's really his choice so where does he really want to play that's the real question yeah 100 that'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by canada kicking academy if you're looking for year-round professional development with elite competition you need to train with the canada kicking academy you can visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on instagram at canada kicking academy we're going to take a quick break we'll be back to talk a little mlb and a little raptors talk right after this Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host, Nick McVicker, for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episode available every Friday, wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network. We are back, boys. A little MLB talk happening now as... We're at spring training time. Players have started to report. They have workouts starting this week. Kind of crazy to think that it's it's going on. I mean, it doesn't feel like spring training right now just because we've been in lockdown. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, spring training starts this week. And lots to talk Wait, about. It's February. Holy shit. It's <laughs> February, buddy. It's, it's Valentine's Day tomorrow, actually. Let's uh, not forget that. Happy Valentine's Day weekend to everybody. As Kyle looks at his phone like, oh, crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, let's talk about the big moves that we saw this offseason. Obviously, Springer came to the Jays. We talked about that one already. But what about the other big one in Trevor Bauer signing with the Dodgers? We mentioned it a little bit last week. Um, but now let's let's really break it down and try to go into what, what we're going to see this year. Obviously, the Dodgers reach tool. They're, they are the Super, Super Bowl champs. World Series champs who somehow managed to get better this offseason. Mm-hmm. Are we just about to watch uh, Dodger Dynasty try to take over the MLB over the next few years? Or fun, I'll start with you. Jeez, that that was... I did not see the Dodgers come out as an option for Bauer. I know like their name was tossed, but I thought you know he'd go to a team that's younger um, where he will be the number one guy, but... In LA, I don't think he's the number one guy. I think he no. slots into the third or even the fourth role. But I guess for what he signed for and the fact that he has two opt-outs, it makes it good in a way that he can leave if he's not happy, um, which we know Trevor Bauer has a mouth on him, which is good. Um, so if he's not happy, he'll leave. And that that's probably why he signed such a short-term deal with the opt-outs was so he's not resented by the end of it. Because, I mean, we've seen what happened with Cleveland where they're like, yeah, we don't want you here anymore. You're You're something else. But... Uh, to come back to your question about it being a dynasty, I would argue that they've sort of started their dynasty for the last few years. Like, obviously, they didn't win in the in the Houston finals or the Boston final, but I think if you look at the last five to six years, they've probably been the most consistent Major League Baseball team. Um, and I think can we count consistency as a as a sign of a dynasty? I, I would say why not? Because I mean, we're not going to see repeat winners, and we haven't seen them in a really long time. 
Um, so yeah, I think it's just going to add to the fact that there's still Clayton Kershaw, there's still uh, Bueller, there's Urias who's come into his own, like he's been fantastic. Um, we can't forget David Price didn't pitch last year, so that's going to be even something for the Dodgers to look at. So yeah, they just got better, and I think I think if they're going to repeat, this would be the year that they repeat. Yeah, uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on the possible dynasty that may be? I think they have been, as Zerfon said, I think they have been one of the more consistent and and best teams in the MLB the last probably four or five years. Yeah. Um, do I think they're going to be a dynasty? No. Because okay, I, I, I just think there's so much competition. I think, especially with the way San, San Diego has kind of positioned themselves right now, I think it's going to be a head-in-head. Head. Uh, they could go up against each other in, in you know in the playoffs and, and knock each other out every year. It, it could be you know, one team gets the, up, uh, the upper end one year, the next one, the other team gets it. it. It's one of those. And I think the Mets are set up pretty well to, to compete. Um, obviously, when you have to grow with the head of your rotation, it definitely helps. So, um, to me, it's one of those, I don't know if there'll be a dynasty because there's so much competition on high-end teams right now. Uh, yes, they are above, but the way they play in the playoffs sometimes, I don't trust them. Yes, they won the World Series last year. The World Series last year was a little bit different comparatively who they who they played. They kind of had an easier schedule going through the playoffs a little bit compared compared to other teams. So they kind of got the, the easier end that way. I'm not discounting their championship by any means, but to me, it's one of those. There's a real chance that they that you know they could get knocked out in the first round this year, depending on how it goes. Right? It's just it's it's the way the playoffs and the way the Dodgers have played in the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they will be considered a dynasty in in, in retrospect. So. Okay. No, it's I think it's a fair question to ask, though. Like, mm-hmm. you look at how they're set up. They only have a couple guys coming off of contract at the end of this year. I mean, one of them is Clayton Kershaw. But other than that, Chris Taylor becomes a free agent and Corey Seager, but he's arbitration eligible, so he's probably not going anywhere. Um, you're looking at a – a team that's built to win. Let's let's not deny that fact. They are yeah. built to win. Their rotation is one of, if not the best rotation in the league right now with their top five of Kershaw, Bauer, Bueller, David Price, and whoever you want to throw in the five yeah, spot. Urias is the fifth one. But yeah. Urias is, could be fifth. We could also throw uh, Gonsal in there. You could also throw May there. Like You have so many options depending on how you want to attack a specific team. Like they could realistically throw a seven man rotation out and give David price extra rest days. Mm -hmm. And no one would question it just because they have that kind of depth that could be starting pitchers. For sure. I just wonder how many teams can really compete. And you mentioned the Padres, you mentioned the Mets in the NL. I think they're the two that are going to be the biggest competition over the next couple of years Mm -hmm. to the, the Dodgers outside of that. The central, the NL Central is awful. We've talked about that already. Yep. The Braves have decent pitching, but they're missing a couple pieces. Washington, good pitching, but they're the bats have fallen off since Harper left, sort of thing. And other players, obviously, I'm not just saying Harper was yeah, the when, answer. When you, when you lose Harper and Rendon, it's kind of right. It's it doesn't, it's it doesn't help. and I mean Juan Soto had COVID last year. He didn't. He sort of 
struggled. Like I wouldn't say he struggled, but he wasn't the same player he was before. Mm-hmm. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see how he Older. comes back with the full off season of rest and see if he can go back to the way he was playing in his rookie season. Um, but there's not really a whole lot of competition in the NL outside of those two teams that we mentioned. I would like to see what the AL has to offer when it comes to a World Series competitor. Like, obviously, we, we could talk about the Yankees. They're built to win as well. They're just – they're probably missing an arm, right, Kyle? Yeah, they're missing an arm. Just have to stay healthy. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. And then the Jays are up and coming. They're not necessarily quite there yet, but they could be there in a year or two. Uh, Boston – has sort of imploded. They're going the other way. The Rays decided to trade away Blake Snell, and we don't really know what to expect from that team this year because they had some guys that no one really expected to play well, play well last season. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be able to continue that? So that'll be interesting. That's just the AL East. I I think the Dodgers are going to be at the top of the conversation for the next couple of years. I'm not saying that they're going to win, but being at the top of the conversation, just like the Patriots were over the last 20 years, mm-hmm. right? It makes a difference. If you're in the conversation, that's a big thing for your team. Right, Irfan? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's where I drew in the consistency part is they've been consistently good. They found ways to not only build their farm system, bring in the right talent when they needed the right talent, right? Um, and they've continued to do that, bringing in two major, well, not trades, but like two major transactions in the last two off seasons. We know Mookie Betts, David Price last year, now Trevor Bauer this year. So, man, it, it's there's smart management happening with this organization. I think Dave Roberts is a good manager, uh, bench boss as well. So they have the right pieces in place. And 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 when you say the depth is there, and you look at that, like yes, there's going to be teams that are always going to compete. There's always going to be teams that are going to they can beat the best, but I think the Dodgers are the best team in baseball. And and then it's kind of hard to, to argue against that. And they're still trying to sign Justin Turner, um, which is like, okay, they're going to be even better because they, they have that spot to fill. So, yeah, you know, I, they have a hole. They have one hole in their, in their depth right now. <laughs> one hole. Third base. I think anyone could play on that team. But third yeah, base, I mean, their hole. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, like, yes, the, the Padres and the Mets have the ability to knock out the Dodgers. Like, I think anyone has the ability. If they get good hitting and good pitching at the right time, you can beat anybody. But um, as a cream of the crop, isn't it the Dodgers? Like, it's kind of hard to say it isn't. Like, it's not the Yankees. Like, Yankees need to figure out their injuries and pick up an arm. But how do you figure out injuries, Irfan? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, don't have Gio uh, Stanton as your <laughs> as a guy you rely on to make big hits when you know he's not going to play a full season find a backup i don't know that's one thing like you know there's three guys on that team that consistently are injured or something goes wrong <laughs> find better replacements i don't know by the way nick Corey seager is a free agent by the way he's not arbitration oh i was reading that he's, he has arbitration eligible but he's a Co- free agent cody bellinger is arbitration eligible but the Corey seager is a full free agent um uh, and kenley jensen too so those are yeah kenley but kenley is either at the top of the rotation uh, sorry top of the bullpen or not part of the bullpen yeah he's, he's kind of inconsistent i think honestly like i i do agree the dodgers are the cream of the crop you can't really deny them they won the world series last year it's simple as that you can't deny them um but i think yes they added bauer but i think i think the biggest thing is there's other teams that have gotten better as well and you think about it the padres almost they were five games back in that division 
Yeah. And and they ultimately they didn't have Clevenger. Clevenger's out obviously with Tommy John, but you look at that, you look at that bolt the the rotation now with, with Darvish and Snell too, and that adds a whole different aspect to it. So and I think with the thing with San Diego is they have a lot of young players that are still up and coming. Yeah. So so to me that to me that's scary, especially if they take step forward um and, and you know take that next level. San Diego's gonna be a scary team. And I think the Dodgers kind of Dodgers are who they are. Like they're not changing. We know not. who they are. Like the, the players aren't getting better. That like those players that are there are that they've they've reached where they are. Yeah. Now you can you could argue Bellinger and Urias might get better, but to me, Bellinger is kind of where he's going to be no matter what. And and Urias, I think, can get better, sure. But the only thing you know, the good part about Urias last year was he was in the bullpen, he was throwing hundred or throwing 97, 98. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, when it comes to the playoffs, that's great. But how does he translate that to the actual regular season and into a starting role? I think that's the biggest question for him. But I'm not going to knock the knock the Dodgers. They're, they should finish first in that division. But I think it's going to be a lot closer race with San Diego. So. Fair. Um, let's bring it to a little bit of conversation about the Jays, boys, because obviously we're Toronto-based. we got to talk about the home team a little bit. Mm-hmm. They did. They made some good moves this offseason. I think. I think they they rounded out their their team a little bit better than they have in the last few years. Obviously, the big move bringing in George Springer was uh, was a big coup for them. But even signing Marcus Simeon, I think, is going to be an underrated move for them, especially if he can play the defense and help sort of mentor um, the young infield that they have. Right? Like Simeon's been around. He at one point was an AL MVP candidate, right? Like, let's not forget that he was second or third in AL MVP voting just a couple of years ago. That's, that's a positive to have on your team anytime. So now you bring that kind of experience in to go with the Bichettes and the Biggios and the Vladdies on the infield. Robbie Ray comes back after having a, a decent season with, with the Jays last year. Uh, like, considering where he was the year before he obviously had found somewhere that he liked to be. And he comes back as well. Another veteran presence. I think they're set up to compete for a playoff spot, more like a wild card spot. But I think for the first time in a while, we can legitimately say that they, that they could fight for a playoff spot this year. Uh, Kyle, I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. To be honest, I could go one step further and say they could compete for the division too, too, to be honest. It all comes down to the Yankees and them staying healthy, as we said. I think the Rays have taken a big step back um, compared to the way they were. Okay. They're on right now. They're honestly banking on Randy Rosarena to just become a god again. And w- without without him in the playoffs, the Rays do not go anywhere in the playoffs. It's it's simple as that. Yeah. Their pit, their pitching was good, but they could not score a run other than Randy Rosarena. Right. And you and you you saw that in the World Series when like yeah the miraculous play where he like. Fell, got back up. Will Smith just straight up missed the ball and, and yeah, scored. What, or, was, that? Or what like, was that? Seriously, like I don't know. Like they, they, that was just it was weird. So to to me, I think the Jays still need to add one more piece, whether it be trade or you know signing a pitcher on the rotation. I think that that's really the piece they're missing right now. Their lineup, you're not going to get you know much better with people out there right now. Maybe a Chris Bryant potentially if you can swing that trade. Well, yeah, I mean, if you put a player like Bryant in, obviously you're going to get better. Let's be yeah. Let, like to me, I've been I've been talking. You know, if you could get Kyle Hendricks and Chris Bryant in a trade, 
I think that would be literally what you need to put yourself over the top. Um, Cause Kyle Hendricks is that one of those, probably one of the, if not the most underrated pitcher in the league. Yeah, he's Just the because, perfect two pitcher. Yeah. Because he's literally, he literally throws 91 at max. Like he's not throwing hard, but he just throws strikes. He's consistent. Doesn't give up the long ball, like that kind of stuff. So it's like one of those, I think you combine him and Ryu obviously. And then you, you add in the, the three lefty quartet that we have. Um, it definitely makes that rotation a hell of a lot better and makes it, more of a contending rotation compared to a up and coming rotation, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Irfan, your thoughts on the Jays? Um, I think they're an armor tool away from really, really competing in this division. Uh, they're good. I, I think the hitting's going to be there. I think the defense will get better. Um, but they're still an armor tool away. And if they can swing a big deal, great. If not, then there's some, you know, four or five position arms that can go in and they can dip in and pick them up. I think those would be good or even make a trade for a three, four, five. Um, but again, they they are an arm or two away um, in terms of competing in that division or beating the Yankees. If the Yankees aren't healthy. Yeah. The door's open, um, but they do struggle against the Rays every year. Somehow they always have a decent record. So uh, I think the Rays are banking on the fact that they'll keep pounding on the on the on the Jays and the Red Sox and the Orioles to, <laughs> to keep them afloat in that division yep. to be honest but yep. um I did I do think they added an uh, a bat that you, you they're going to try and pitch around him and then that's going to give more options for for Vladdy or for Bo to really get into the game so this is this is going to be good for the offense so it'll be a fun offensive year for the Jays I think yeah and I'm looking at fan graphs right now and their their projected starting lineup um and order has Springer, Simeon, Bichette, Hernandez, Guerrero, Biggio, Guriel, Telez, and Jansen as as the nine, which going one through nine, you're not going to get many teams that are as consistent throughout. I'm not going to say that all of those guys are going to hit for 280, 290, but you have the ability to hit one through nine. Like even Jansen has the ability to hit pretty well. And then off the bench, now that they signed Joe Panic uh, recently, so he'll be a non-roster invitee. Reese McGuire is slated on the bench. I could see that being replaced with Alejandro Kirk after what he did last year. He could come in as be, and be the backup catcher. I'm saying it could be. I'm not really sure who they want as the backup catcher at the moment. Um, and then you have Grichuk on the bench as well. Like Let's not forget, they have four outfielders at the moment. That could mm-hmm. that should be playing at any point in time, or could be playing at any point in time, mm-hmm. and that's where Danny Jansen might end up moving to uh, the bench in some games, just depending on lefty righty matchups. Yeah, to be honest, I think it's going to come down to. I still think they're looking for a veteran catcher to go behind Danny Jansen. Obviously, they were apparently interested in Yachty, which was interesting. Um, he would have been he would have been huge to come in as a veteran player to help with the young team. Let's not oh, forget this team is young. Yeah, like two hours, he would have started 100%. Like, that's just simple as that. He would have been over Jansen because he's Jansen's biggest thing right now is defensive, and Yachty's a better defensive catcher. Yep. So, um, <clears throat> but the biggest thing I think is um, I still think they need one more bench bat, too. Uh, yeah, they do. Because I, I, yes, you mentioned Joe Panic. I don't trust Joe Panic to come in pinch hit and get a hit. 
Oh no, I wasn't saying Joe Panic as a, yeah. as a hitter, but he's a good More guy a that you had to have on the bench because he's he can come in and play like half of the positions, if not all of the positions, of a good catcher. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so yeah, the other thing that we haven't really talked about though is the bullpen. The Jays went out and grabbed Kirby Yates to fill the hole that Ken Giles has been filling for the last couple of years. I think that was a underrated move, honestly. This guy led the NL in saves just two years ago, right? Yeah. He had a he had a bit of a down year last year, but it was also a weird year. Let's not forget, this was COVID season 2020. It was a weird year. So Kirby Yates coming off of a weird year gets to come in, have his role pretty much defined. I think I unfortunately don't think he deserves the, the number nine spot right away because I know they want to give Romano a chance, but he's going to get the number nine spot right away. And I'm not going to say it's a bad move. I just think they want to give Romano a chance, and he's not going to get it this year. But your seven, eight, nine is now Rafael Dolis or Ryan Barucki, Jordan Romano, Kirby Yates. You also have David Phelps, who they signed yesterday. You also have Ross Stripling, who can play long, long relief games if a starter isn't going well. Like they have a little flexibility for the first time in a while in that bullpen. That and that's something that we haven't seen in, in Jay's land for God, even before the last playoff runs that they made, they even the playoff runs they didn't have a whole lot of bullpen depth. So it, it's gonna be interesting to see how they kind of pull together. As you guys said, they're probably a, a starter away from being a top contender in the AL. Mm-hmm. Like a two a two starter away from being a top contender in the AL. I would love them to bring Taiwan Walker back after the season that he had last year. I think he fits well with the team and the, the direction that they're going. So that would be a nice His energy, yeah, a mm-hmm. nice three or four hole um, starter. But I think they do need a number two to go behind Ryu and really scare teams. For sure. Yeah. Let's uh, flip to another Toronto team here, boys. No second break today. We're going to go straight into Raptors. And the Raptors have kind of turned the tides from the last time we talked about them. Because when we were talking about them before, they were what, like 2-10 and 10 or something? 2-8. <laughs> <and> <laughs> they were awful. And they've kind of turned the tide. 5-2 and two in their last seven. Um, playing a little bit better basketball. Beat the Nets. Now, granted, the Nets are either – the Nets will give up 130 points but try to outscore that. Mm-hmm. So, whether or not that's a big win. Kyle, you made a good point before the show. We were talking off air um, about them beating up on not-so-great competition. You want to you wanna build on that? I still don't think they're good, to be honest. Um, they're I good. Don't, they're, not, they're not really good. I honestly don't think they're good. I think they're okay. Like I, I think I think sorry in the east they're good. Okay, yeah. Well that that's 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 like saying the cowboys are good in the NFC East. So it's not really saying much. Um valid point. It, it's one of those like I, I I don't I don't think they're I think the biggest thing is they're missing the big man. And I think, you know, if Drummond if they're apparently they're interested in Drummond, if Drummond comes in, is there a chance they get better? Potentially, because I think they need that board that board beast and you know, Boucher's done a good job, but I don't think Boucher's the answer right now. So I think, you know, if they, if they do bring in Drummond, I think that could definitely make the team better. But at the same point, I also think there's a certain chance, there's a certain point where you just going to say, okay, we're going to blow this up. Like it's, we know we're not going to win right now. And 
I don't think they want to make the playoffs just to make the playoffs. I don't think that's who the Raptors are right now. No. And I think, I think they realize that, you know, Hey, if we're not competing, maybe we, you know, give Lowry a chance to go get a second ring or whatever it may be. Right. Your, your, your cornerstone pieces right now are, are Pascal and Van Vliet. I'm not a huge Pascal fan as I've, I've stated multiple times already. I think if you have a chance, you can trade him to a contender and get some pieces back. I think that's hundred percent what you do. Um, you know, he's 29. Is he really contending right now? No. You know, if you can get, you know, a first and, and a couple prospects or two firsts or whatever it may be, um, you know, go for it, right, in my opinion. So uh, they've beaten up on competition they should have beat, and, and they're getting beat by the better teams. And it's quite obvious when they get beat, beat by better teams. So, Yeah. Um, Erfan, I'm going to give you this stat and tell me what you make of it. The Raptors are ninth this year in points per game. Um, so they're scoring, but they're still struggling to stop the ball. They haven't had a, a game where they've held an opponent to under 100 points this month in February. I know we're 13 days in, but they've played a few games. Is there any way to fix the defensive woes that they're having after losing Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka? Well, they've changed their their whole playing dynamic, right? They're playing small now. Um, but I think this team is the way they've been built the last three, four years has been they need to play a little bit bigger. Um, and I think once, let's say, if Andre Drummond's the answer and he comes in, I think they'll get better defensively. Um, I think he'll help them because that's how uh, Nick Nurse has run his offense the last year or two. So, yeah, they're playing small, and I don't think that's fitting into their mold. Um, they have an identity, and they do need a big man, uh, a consistent big man. Like, I, I don't think Len is the answer. I don't think... Um, well, Len's gone, isn't he? He's gone, but, like, he wasn't the answer, right? Like, there's another... Who's the other guy? They, they have uh, Baines. He's, he's not the answer. Like, yeah. I mean, so... Does this come down to the fact that in the offseason they didn't make a trade? Because they knew what they were going to have without Abaka and without Gasol. Like, this was, like, We've played like this for two years. We're missing a big man. Tristan Thompson was out there. Whether or not they made an approach, we don't know. We aren't well, like I'm not 100 sure on that part. But like Tristan Thompson would have been a good addition to this team. At least they would have been able to play that they want to play, and they would have been better defensively. So, um, I think they need to get a big man. Whether that's a trade or whether that's you know letting this team just play out the season and wherever they finish up they finish up and then next off season kind of make that next move or like Kyle said <laughs> Lowry let them chase another ring and see what young guy you can bring in for him um move Pascal he's 29 30 he's leading the team with 20.6 points per game but they're also playing a competition that they should be beating down on and they are which is why their their seasons turn around so to go back to your question again um they need to bring in a better center. They need to bring in a big man that can really help them on the boards. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's going to help Nick nurse coach this team. Cause that's, that's important. Defense is what he strives for. And you, you can't have Kyle doing like, he can't be your best defender every night. Like he's 35, whatever, like he's old, like he's a little bit older. So he's 35. Right. Um, but he's the old, he's the, old. <laughs> well, he is one of the older players on your team. So how much are you going to run him into the ground? Like he's playing 34.7 minutes per game. Um, I don't know if you want to burn them out, especially if you might make the playoffs. No, I, I agree. It's just, it, it's hard to think that like a team that was won the finals two years ago was a top contender last year, but kind of faltered in the playoffs a little bit. 
they've fallen so fast. And give credit to Chris Boucher. He's played well this year. Yep. Is he is he a true he hasn't starting started. center? Is he a but true he hasn't starting started. Center? No, I know. Is he is he the starting center answer for this Raptors team? Not yet. Not yet. Could he be eventually? Yeah, I maybe. I don't, I, don't, I don't think he's the answer at center. I think, honestly, if you trade Pascal, he's the answer at power forward. Okay, that's fair. I, I, I don't think Boucher is a like top – like I don't think he's a center. Like I think the way he's built, he's a stretch four. Like, he, he's one of those guys where he's going to be a big four, 100%, but he has the athleticism to keep up with smaller fours, and he also has the ability to stretch – stretch the court with the three-point range and i think if you bring in a guy like like to me i keep going back to drummond because that's the rumors that's the about it. Rumor. <laughs> but but drummond's literally your guy where he pulls down boards and puts them back up and gets points like that's why he's literally pitches he, it out right he brings yeah, the ball he brings the ball down either puts it up himself or sends yeah. it out to the outside and he, he's a double double machine and to be honest i think that's that's literally what the raptors are missing right now they need that big guy in the center to you not necessarily facilitate but grab the boards and, and make sure that, you know, they're not getting eaten alive on, on the board battle. And yeah. mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you, tra- if you trade Pascal, you put Boucher at the four. And I think, I think honestly, that that's the great start. Cause then you have, you got Freddie running the point and, and Norm seems to be coming into his own playing, playing the, the small forward shooting guard right, uh, role right now. Yeah, and, Vince shooting, role. Yeah. And, and it's one of those like, like to, to me that that's that's what the Raptors need to go and I think I think if especially with trading Lowry and trading Pascal potentially recoup picks recoup money and, and go again for this in in you know two three years I think that's the biggest thing that's that's fair the sad thing is is that even though they're not playing well like we're we're ripping on them as Toronto media because that's what Toronto media does they're in a playoff spot like not even like the modified playoff spot they're in a legitimate playoff spot at the moment they're still competing. It's that I think that is more of a testament to how bad the East is this year, but they're still there. Like they're, they're competing day in and day out a couple games. They've looked awful, but other than that, like Lowry and Van Vliet are not going to let this team just roll over and die. No, they're going to compete. They're going to push them. So it'll be interesting to see where they end the season. Who knows? They could get up to fifth. Like they could get up to fourth and have a home playoff game. Well, home in Tampa. Uh, playoff series who knows we have no idea how this season is going to finish up it's going to be very interesting to see for sure um and we'll definitely be keeping an eye on it let's end this off boys it's uh tire fire time we've missed a couple weeks so we're going to start fresh kyle get it started my friend uh i'm calling mine the quarterback carousel um and, and the reason why it's a tire fire is just teams that are absolutely wasting value on quarterbacks or trying to capitalize on the quarterback value. And it's just like the constant state of flux um, in the NFL of, of, you know, potentially five, six, seven quarterbacks being moved in this off season. It's just mind boggling. And, and it's, I, I, it's just the state of the quarterbacks in the NFL. I guess really what it comes down to It's just one of those, you know, if, if you have a job as a quarterback in the NFL right now, it's not safe. No, it's, it's just not safe. So, so to me, it's, it's or it is those... safe because they're the ones who are making all the moves. Potentially true. But <laughs> you know, like, it's going to come down to like in this off season, you know, you got Dak, is he going to be re-upped on a franchise tag? Is he going to get a new contract? Whatever it may be. Um, you also have like Tua, right? Is Deshaun going to get traded for Tua? And then Tua gets flipped after a year after he's drafted. It's, it's a very, 
interesting offseason that we're still just getting started on right now. So yep. it's a quarterback. And we've already seen the carousel has already started to move with Stafford and Goff being moved, right? Exactly. It's so. a good one. Irfan, hit us, man. Um, I'm going Liverpool v- struggling. Like, I mean, they've lost three in a row. Um, I think Klopp just sent uh, in his press conference sort of conceded the title going, I can't believe it. I mean, yes, they've had injuries and I understand that being a, a flaw, but they have enough talent moving forward that they shouldn't be dropping these many points and struggling as much as they have. Um, so yeah, Liverpool gets my tire fire until they turn it around. And I don't know when that's going to be. And Hopefully they get healthy. And the image of the tire fire of Liverpool is the goal from today against Leicester, where Ali uh, went on a little mission on his own. Defender I mean, he should have just been my—he should have just been my tire fire. Uh, Alisson giving up, uh, having three blunders or three miscommunications with his defense. Obviously, he's playing with guys in front of him that he doesn't normally play with, so that's mostly the issue. But I think collectively, Liverpool should be better. There's a funny stat that I saw that they've lost five games that Thiago. Alcantara has come on or played in, so <laughs> maybe don't play him. <laughs> I would I probably know. avoid that if that was the case. Yes. Yeah. Um, hey guys, uh, until... we lose when this guy plays, so we're just not going to play him ever. Anyone like two wins, two draws, and five losses or something ridiculous with Thiago. But that also has to do with uh, Fabinho and and Hendo playing in, in your central yeah. defense. And that's role, that's but... the biggest thing is that it's hard to really say it's a it's a tire fire just because they have no actual center backs at the moment like <laughs> no but i mean in terms of their their offensive talent and the ability that they have they shouldn't be losing agreed. 4-1 or 3-1 like it agreed. should be closer than that that's all agreed um it's another good one i am going with a hockey story here boys and unfortunately Irfan, we're going to your bruins hey what i do tuka rask the absolute <laughs> blunder of uh, not understanding what the score is and going to the bench while your team is in possession in your own end. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what happened, I'm going to recap really quickly. Near the end of last minute of the game earlier this week, uh, Tuca thought his team was down 2-1. They had just scored to tie it up a couple minutes earlier, but he obviously forgot that they did that. And as his team got possession of the puck in his own end, he starts skating towards the bench. Everyone on the bench is like, what are you doing? Go back, go back. <laughs> a couple a players moment. shaking sticks over the boards, trying to get him to uh, to go back. He was he got all the way there, and someone must have told him, it's 2-2, get back in the net. Because mm-hmm. then he just nonchalantly skates back. All the while, his team is trying to get out of their own end. Like, let's, yeah, they, like, they oh, got out of the end for like a half second and then they ended up back in their own end. So just, <laughs> just a mess. He played it off like it was nothing, but like. And then he makes a massive save in overtime to kind of redeem himself or something. Hey, Pretty he's not, time. he's not a bad goalie. I'm not saying he's a bad goalie. No, no, I'm just was, saying like that he, was a brain, a brain fart. fart. Of a moment. <laughs> well, to be fair though, Boston's been down a lot in the last few games where it's like two, nothing, three, one or something. I think he's just think that's the mindset we're down we gotta pull a goalie let's go i know but when everyone on the bench is telling <laughs> you to go back i think at some point you got to figure out oh i maybe should go back like, oh, wait yeah <laughs> no i just it, it was a funny tire fire but it, that is a tire fire of a moment that's pretty he, good. again yeah. he, he cleared it up he made a big save in overtime to help but like you can't be, you can't be doing that at the nhl level you can't do that all right boys let's wrap it up 
final thoughts. Irfan, hit us up with your final thought of the week. Oh, um. Oh, he says, oh. It's February. I didn't even remember it was February. God damn. Um, keep watching hockey because, I mean, there's some really good teams that have kind of – we're starting to see the pack sort of separate with the really good teams and the and the subpar average teams that, that cough, cough, 2, 12, and 1, Ottawa. Um but like we're seeing, we're we're seeing the separation between the really good teams and 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 the the okay teams. And I mean, the West has been playing really well, and the East has been playing well. Um, and I think uh, it's it's good, it's good hockey. I'll leave it at that. And enjoy it while it lasts, because games keep getting canceled left, right, and center. So, <laughs> welcome to COVID times. All right, Kyle. Final thought, my friend. Uh, final thought. I am finally glad the NHL is reviewing their NHL draft lottery process. And they said they are making changes to it because they're saying that a team like Detroit, who ended up 25 points below the next team, uh, should probably have the first overall pick. So the fact that, you know, it's, it's not going to be a lottery early anymore and they're going to actually change some pieces to it, I think is going to be great. Uh, I think, honestly, because it comes down to the bottom teams probably should get the first overall pick. It's kind of how it works. Um, so, so to me, the fact that they're actually making changes is, is a great first step for the NHL right now. Yeah. The, the only concern is that the reason that they put the lottery in was so that teams didn't tank because you trying to, yeah. you want to keep it as competitive as possible. Detroit didn't tank last year. Detroit no, was just they just weren't. Ottawa is yeah. not tanking this year. Ottawa is just bad this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Let me correct that. I would like to point out Ottawa can score goals. They can't they stop can. the puck. That's their issue. No, they right? just have one good period every so often. I was looking at it. There's four teams in the Canadian division that have more than 50 goals. Mm-hmm. Pretty crazy. Also, five out of the top six teams in the NHL right now, overall, are all from the normal Atlantic division. Mm. Boston, Tampa, Toronto, Leaps. Montreal, and Florida are all five of the top six teams. That's crazy. Um, I guess I have to go non-hockey related in <laughs> in my final thought. We can't do a clean sweep for hockey. That would just be un- uncalled for. The CFL uh, is kind of confusing to me at the moment just because we don't really know what's going to happen. But we've seen some big signings and some at the same time, we've also seen some players uh, retire. So, Make sure you follow the CFL. Obviously, we're close to it with our with our co-host for our football show, Gabe Ferraro, being a CFL player. Uh, we're following it a little bit more closely than a lot of Canadians. But if if you want to see some interesting player movement right now, it, it is happening in the CFL. Free agency is live and well. So make sure you follow that moving forward. For everyone here at Garage Sports, thank you for listening. We will be back next weekend as i die choking on nothing (laughs) uh we'll be back next weekend to talk some more sports we will uh fill you in on everything happening then if you want to follow us on twitter it's at garage door sport if you want to follow us on instagram it's at garage door sports with an s yes twitter has a uh a cap on how many letters you can use (laughs) dumb if you're looking for Irfan, you can find him at Irfan Manji. If you're looking for Kyle, you can find him at Kyle Vardy. And if you're looking at my, for myself, at Nick McVicker on both Instagram and Twitter. We try to keep you guys updated as much as possible. So for everyone here, thank you for listening. We will see you next time. 